Hey everyone, this is Brother Wayne Clemens. I just want to thank you for tuning in with us today and being part of the worship experience here at Potter's Hope. Also, I want to tell you that there's several different venues that you'll be able to get the message in the entirety if you'd like. They're either by podcast or either going to pottershope.com where you'll also be able to listen and watch uh, for any of those times. But also, I want to encourage you to be with us in person, 8.30 Central Time at Exit 124, right there at White Mills and the Eastview Exit right off the Western Kentucky Parkway. And then also on campus, Sunday mornings here at 135 Commerce Drive uh, at 10.30. Also, our Wednesday night services at 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. But anyway, God bless you. I hope this message just um, in this time of encouragement finds you doing awesome. Be encouraged and know that Jesus loves you. God bless. All right, we're going to do, let's, if you made it to Jude, go to Revelation and go back left. It's pretty quick like that. All right, let's look at uh, verse 17. But beloved, remember you the words which were spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ how that they told you that there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves sensual, not having the spirit. But ye, beloved, key text, but ye, beloved, building up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And if some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment mm, spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to prevent you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and ever. Amen. Pray with me. God, so thankful tonight for your word. God, and there's such power in your spoken word. Precious Holy Spirit, I ask that you lead us and guide us tonight in everything that we do. and everything that we say, God, anoint our ears to hear. Our hearts, God, let them be cultivated in such a way that we would listen and take home an investment in the word. We love you, God. You're awesome. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated. You know, <clears throat> tonight I'm going to spend just a few moments with you on building your faith. If you're a note taker, you'll want to take a few notes tonight. Not that there's necessarily anything that you may not have heard before, but just kind of to clarify when I look at this, when you begin, this is different. As Jude, most would say he was the half-brother of Jesus. And as he's speaking this, he says something about faith. He said, building on your most holy faith. Now, your most holy faith is not your faith. It's not my faith. It's his faith. And that is when you can begin to develop your mind. I can't see it. You can't see it. But he said it, and I believe it. That is when we begin to trust in God, believing already for the outcome, even though we haven't seen it yet. And you know we quote this piece of scripture a lot. But now faith, <laughs> now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's the same way with Abraham, that by faith, God was moving him throughout his life. He moved him out of his father's house, out of his father's occultic religion. He did that. And every step of the way, we can see that Abraham was a man of faith. And because he was a man of faith, uh, the word declares that he was a friend of God. How many of you want to be a friend of God? Amen. You know, here's what Abraham did. And I love this. Abraham began to call on things that were not as though they were. Meaning even this, that when what he knew he couldn't do in his natural body, that God, through the power of who he is and what he is, was able to do those exceedingly, give him such exceedingly great and precious promises that far surpassed anything that his mind could even begin to think. And this is the thing today that we have to be a part of, is that our church needs a faith lift. Turn to somebody and say, you need a faith lift. 
You've heard it before. That's not new to you. But can I tell you something? How many of you know, Charlie, that when you get on the phone or you're talking to somebody else and they're a brother or sister in the faith and you can be down in the dumps and in the gutter and all those things, but by the faith that they have, hallelujah, in God, it begins to lift you out of that pit and it begins to get you on the right page. And can I tell you something? It's easy to be on the right page if you're in the right book. You know, I was thinking today, I was just talking to God. I was just talking to him. I said, God, you know, we're separate. We're different. And it wasn't anything to brag about, Brother Roger. It wasn't anything to really, you know, to, 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 to say anything, to categorically say that, hey, we're against them. They're this. No, we know our job here, right? We know what we're to be doing. But you know what? This book separates us. It's God's holy word. It's not just a word. It's the word that I stand on. It's the word that I go to, man. It's the power. Boy, I'm telling you, I'd have no faith. This book, man, I'm telling you, somebody said this before, said something about that, said, do you believe that this book, that this book has the word of God in it? Said, no, I believe it is the word of God. See, and when you get to that place in your mind, that's what God said. Don't hold me accountable to it. That's what God said. And what God said, I can believe. You can get mad at me all you want to, but if God said it, your fight is not with me. It's with Almighty God. But let me tell you something, Christians. This is one thing right now for the peace and for, and for those things. Man, and listen, instead of our churches being faith-based, most are fear-based because that is the mindset that so many people have. I want to declare to you again tonight that God has not given us the spirit of fear. Can somebody say Amen but of power, love, and a sound mind. And a sound mind is a sure mind, is an anchored mind that is anchored in the Word of God. I can begin to call on things that are not as though they were. It doesn't make me some kind of magician in any form or, or Christian within that mindset or anything else, but I believe the Word. I believe the Word. You've heard me say this before, that one of the issues with our churches today is that we are filled with non-believing believers. I believe for all of it. And I'll tell you something that will transform your prayer life. If you start thanking God for the end result, start thanking Him for the end result. We all understand there's a hallway of faith, okay? We all understand that hallway of faith. And from door to door, man, as you're going down this long, and some of the hallways are longer than others, but I've got to tell you, we've got a Savior. Then when He said His name was Emmanuel, God with us, can I tell you, He's not just the God with us. He's going to stay with us through thick and thin. I've said it so many times. Aren't you thankful tonight that Jesus ain't the leaving kind? Yes. Praise be to God. Man, faith building. It's about building your faith, building on your holy faith. Listen, I don't have time. I wanted, I wanted to ask my guys back there that are so good putting all this stuff on the screen and everything. I want to have like a little meter tonight. I mean, in my mind, it's like a little temperature gauge. You know, you got a little faith. You got uh, great faith. And then you got all these steadfast faith, precious faith, your faith, my faith. But then there's that most holy faith. You know, and that's it. All of us are granted a little bit of faith. God gives every one of us a measure of faith. And isn't it amazing how Jesus said to one that we wouldn't even have thought that he said, oh, because of your great faith, it's the one, not his disciples that were with him. He was telling them when they were in the midst of the sea, he was telling them where are you, or after they had come through, and he had calmed the storm there in Mark chapter 4. He said, why are you so fearful? Oh, you have little faith. These are people that were walking with him. But it was the faith of the centurion or somebody else that come. And he was able to say, you know what, because of your great faith. This is faith. Faith is saying, I don't see it, but he said it and I believe it. It's getting there. In order to build your faith, you've got to practice faith. So if all of us are beginning to measure faith, so how do I grow my faith? I'll tell you how God grows your faith is he takes you through the struggle. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because the praise team and the preacher are with me. No. Because I got TikTok, Facebook, and everything. No. Because I got a Savior that will never leave me or forsake me. He saved me not to see me fail. He saved me to see me succeed. And there's a holy seed on in and of each and every one of us to speak out and to preach out in these last days. Where's your faith? You've got to build your faith. 
And one of the places everybody wants to get that high potential of faith, and they don't even know or listen to where they want this high level of faith, and many people that want that faith are not even saved. Point number one, got to turn to somebody and say, you got to build your base. you got to build your base. The Word of God says this. And the Beatitudes, there's so many people, as Jesus was saying about that man that built his house on the rock and the one that built their house on the sand. So many people are building their relationship with Christ on emotional things and on people instead of the presence of God. The Word says this in Philippians 2.12, Please feel free to turn there. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have already obeyed, not as in my presence only, Bill, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Can I tell you, quit trying to work somebody else's salvation out and work out your own. Now that word salvation there, the way that we would normally think about being born again, but it's more than that. It begins to take on not just the thought of salvation, TJ, but also sanctification as far as within the walk, that your struggles, that your tests, that all these things, work them out with fear and trembling. Fear of what? Not fear of the problem, but fear of an almighty God in all and saying whatever comes, we got this God. No matter how big the demon, no matter what Satan comes or brings my way, I know know that through your power and your authority I'm going to make it through this and it's building that mindset to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling I'm talking about this fear of going to hell and missing heaven having that kind of healthy fear I dealt with a man when I say I dealt with a man I had the opportunity to spend some time with a young man just lately and you know what he said to me and it was boy was so tears were streaming down his cheeks and he said, I just don't want to mess it up. You heard me say this a little bit, I think. He said, I just don't want to mess this up. I said, really? He said, I don't want to go to hell. And he feared God enough that God's word was true enough that he still believed in, in hell. 80% of the funerals that I preach or I'm a part of, everybody thinks that everybody's going to heaven. Can I tell you? A good part of them will. But it won't be because of a good life they've lived or how much money they've given to UNICEF and Salvation Army and everything else. Those are all good things, but they're not God things. The God thing is bound your heart, not just your head and your eyes and bringing yourself to a place of a broken and contrite spirit and calling out to Almighty God and fearing hell and wanting heaven more than you desire anything else. You've got to build your base. Because what's going to happen is this, your base is going to be tested. It's going to be tested. It's going to be tested right now. You are having your base tested. And those that are built on the sand are wilting away. But you are built on the rock, says God. And He is the rock. Get, I get started on those pieces of Scripture. He's the rock that is higher than I. He's the rock that followed even the Israelites through the desert. Hallelujah. Just to be that water source. He's the rock that I got to when I had dug myself into such a hole that I could in no way get myself out of or no one else. I'm thankful for the bottom. I'm thankful for the rock that once I got my feet planted there, he could raise me back up. You need a foundation. Turn to somebody and say, you need to work out. I don't want you to forget that. How many of you, how many of you just come out of a tough time? Raise your hand. You just come out of a tough time. Raise your hand. How many of you are going through a tough time? How many of you expecting another one? Can I tell you life is this, coming out of one, going through one. Hello, somebody. But can I tell you, that's life. You need to work out. And the way that you work out and you get strong is exercising your faith. That means that sometimes they're going to make the, even the furnace seven times hotter. But it doesn't make you bigger or smaller. It just makes your God greater when you have to go through it. There could be things come and said you will this and that and everything else. Can I tell you something? You just open your window and pray like Daniel did and keep doing what you've been doing. Because your faith going to be tested. <laughs> Y'all didn't like that part, working out your own faith, working it out. The shaking of the Holy Ghost. Right now, all of this shaking that you've heard me speak about lately, this is the Lord. 
He's shaking, man. I'm telling you. He's shaking the things that, listen, the things that are loose in your life, he's showing you to let go of. He's showing you, I'm going to shake you to where you realize that I'm the only thing left that you can hang on to. That's what he's showing you. Can I ask you the question, because I've been asking myself this for quite some time, and I do it on a pretty rate. What can you trust in right now? Only one thing. One thing that you can tell me, one, there's only one thing that you can trust in. You've heard this now for three or four weeks. I told you, the alternatives, the options, he's taken away to where it's him and him alone. Woo, how many of you know whose side you're on tonight? Praise be to God. Praise be to God. So, you need to work out working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. 2 Corinthians 7, 8 and 10. You guys can put these up on the screen if you want. For though I made you sorry with other Paul's coming back in. Man, he preached it hot. He preached it hot. He didn't care. Listen, what he did, he understood those were spiritual children to him. He knew that God had placed him in a place of authority. He did not hold back because he feared God more than he feared the people. And he said this, For though I made you sorry with a letter, I don't repent. Though I did repent, for I perceived that the same epistle has made you sorry, though it were but for a season. I love the way Paul puts this. He said, Now I rejoice that you were made sorry, but that you sorry to repentance. You know what he's saying? I'm glad. It brought you to a place to where you had to repent. We can't do church, guys, the way that we used to. And listen, I'm not here to beat up the saints. You all know I'm not that. But I'll tell you this, man. I sure want to encourage you. And I'll do anything that I can to keep you moving. I really will. And I mean the God in me, man, is going to encourage you to do that. This is not a time to wait to wallow in your own mess and in your own thought. This is a time to go on. If you're waiting on anything, you wait on God. And you learn to be still in His presence. But he said, you know what? He said, he said, I know. He said, listen. And what he's saying, when I walked down office, I, I don't even want to equate myself here. Let me just say this. What I want to say is that here in this piece of scripture, what he's saying, he said, you know what? It was tough to preach to you what I did or when I spoke to you about the adultery, about these things, about all these things. When you read 2 Corinthians 6 and 7, when you read that, you can see what he's dealing with. He's telling them, how can you be, how can righteous people have to do and have relationship with unrighteous people and different things? He's saying this, and he said, listen, I agree, but the part is that it's bringing you to repentance. Now the text. Nor up for a season. He said, now that I rejoice that you were made sorry, but that you sorry to repentance, and you were made sorry after a godly manner, that you right, might receive damage by us in nothing. Verse 10 is familiar. For godly sorrow works repentance to salvation. Oh, I'm sorry. When is the last time God, I'm sorry. Read, read Psalm 51. Go back and never, listen, even if you haven't been on the rooftop and, and gazed down at Bathsheba and committed any type of spiritual sin or anything else, even if you haven't, can I tell you, look, look at the psalmist, look at this shepherd king, look at this giant slayer and the way that he repented before God when he started. He said, against you, Lord, only have I sinned. But he said, cleanse me. He didn't let his position and his title keep him from repentance. Please never get to the place, super Christian, that you think that you are above having to repent. Run from any kind of doctrine that tells you that you've reached a level that God understands. God hates sin any and all time. Well, I've arrived. I don't want, if you've arrived, I ain't get buying a ticket to where you're going. I'm talking about being sorry. This is a foundation. I'm talking about salvation, Bill. I'm talking about coming to a place that where your salvation means that I'm really sorry there's a broken and a contriteness that, God, I didn't just fail you. I didn't just mess up. I didn't just foul up. I didn't make a mistake. Can I tell you, sin is not a mistake. That's something you do in a math problem. 
Willful and knowing sin is a reproach to God and he hates it. Sin is missing the mark. I don't have time to go into iniquity, transgression, and all of those things that are all, they just entire, are just, it, it, it's, it's so much to that. But the thing is, how many of you know when you sin? Deal with it. For godly sorrow works repentance. God, I am sorry. And I'm talking about not like sorry. Sorry is such a cheap word today, much the way that love is used. But the sorrow of the world works death. Now, Jude. Jude 1, 1 through 3. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father, preserved in Jesus Christ and called. I love the way he begins this, man. It is so powerful. Sanctified, preserved, and called. Boy, take that home with you. Take that home with you that through the power of the Holy Spirit sanctified by God the Father, set apart by God. Listen, you need to make your calling and election known and sure tonight that when I say the word election, it doesn't mean vote. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't even take on the Calvinistic thought that he saves this one and not that one. It's coming to the point, do you and I know that we are in the time of election as far as grace, that we no longer have to offer the blood of bulls and goats. We don't have to follow the ritualistic things and ordinances of men that listen when we come to Jesus Christ and we give our life to God the Father through the sacrifice of the Son we are set free at that very moment and we spend the rest of our days walking through the act and the part of sanctification that till I get home you're saved at that moment but then you're being saved you're being made more like him every day remember the Holy Ghost is the wedding planner if you will it's the bridesmaid that gets you ready to meet him sanctified by God the Father, preserved by Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, and called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was need for me to write unto you and exhort you that should earnestly contend for the faith. This is where, this is what most people would equate here when you look at the book of Jude that when people begin to uh, to encapsulate that they will come and it's simply called uh, to be a contender and this pretty well this this short this 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 short book right here really is about contending for the faith you all know that and he said was needful for me to write unto you exhort you that you should earnestly contend for that faith which was once delivered unto the saints let me show you the difference in the world and when he says this, in some that says, was once delivered unto the saints, I wrote this down here, that this was not once upon a time. The same word that was delivered to the saints is the same word being delivered to us today. Now, understanding that the canon of Scripture was not there, that when people say, well, I want to I read the same Bible and preach the same Bible that Paul preached. This is the Word of God put together by holy men of God ushered and, and inspired by the Holy Ghost, ushered in by the Holy Ghost and inspired by the Holy Ghost to bring all of this together is what we know as God's holy word. But he said, once delivered to the saints is the same word being delivered to us today. I wrote this down for me, maybe not for you, but for me. This is not a once upon a time gospel because that's how most fairy tales start. You see, to someone in the world, they say, well, once upon a time, there was a man named Jesus, and he lived 2,000 years ago. He was a good man, and he, people say that, some say that he performed miracles. Some say that he, he did this, but that was in a land far, far away, and once upon all of those things, and they began to do that. And can I tell you, it's nothing more than a fairy tale to them, to the world. And it's a once Upon a time, gospel, if you will. The world says once upon a time. 2 Timothy 4, 4. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. That's where we're at today. That Jesus was just a man. He was just a prophet. He was just a rabbi. No, he was much more than that. They say that he was a teacher, all of those things. And then they say, you know what? They say that he came and that he died on a cross. Now get this. 
Some say he rose from the dead. You believe that? Excuse me. So the world says, nah, I don't believe he did that. I believe he did this. I be Can I tell you something? I know that Jesus died on the cross. I know he was buried in the ground. And I know he rose on the third day. Now here's what you've got to understand. You've either got to have a once upon a time. And can I tell you, I don't know what the percentage is. I don't know what the percentage is in the church that still treats Jesus like a fairy tale kind of prince. What you're calling a fairy tale prince is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And much of the church wants a sedated. Listen, you want you want to. I gotta quit. I'll tell you what, most of us just want to be sedated. Instead of steered up by the Holy Ghost. Give me a message that will sedate me and get me to go through what I'm going through. I want you to open your eyes and wake up and declare that we're going to make it through whatever it is coming our way. Man. What do I know? <laughs> I know. Jesus Christ, Him crucified, praise be to God, and risen from the dead. Hebrews 9 and 10. Hebrews 10, 9 and 10. Then said, then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. What's that talking about, Marianne? Of course, we know that's talking about the law. It's talking about the Old Testament, that he did not destroy it. He fulfilled it, meaning that's done now. He did that now. The Word says this very thing, to establish the second. That's him. That is absolute complete forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ. Verse 10, by the which, which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So listen, this is where we're at. It's either a once upon a time or it's either a once and for all. And the key tonight, please take this with you. Jesus died once. Boy, I could preach this out hot. He died once. He come the first time. As the sinless, spotless lamb, when he comes back, make no mistake, he will not be the lamb of God. He will be the lion of the tribe of Judah. Make no mistake. He come the first time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when he came into the city, he came the first time lowly and riding on an ass or a donkey that the word says coming into the city and they shouted Hosanna only in three or four short days they were crying crucify the next time he won't be riding a donkey you and I will be raptured according to the word of God in 1 Thessalonians 4 we will go to be with the Lord when he comes back in Revelation chapter 19 he will be the one on the white horse he has traded his steed, and he will come back, and everybody will know. And that great battle of Armageddon will be set up and will be in place, and all the armies of the world. Kenny, you've seen that valley. Everybody, listen, all the armies of the world will gather there. All of those things will take place. It'll be a bloody battle, but it'll be a bought battle. There'll be no chance. The blood of, listen, of men will rise up even higher, according to the word of God. It'll go higher than even the bridles on the horses, and the men's blood will be that deep. He will be king of kings and lord of lords. And guess what? I believe it as real as I'm standing here. That time that we'll be with the Lord, most believe it'll be the seven years we call it the marriage supper of the Lamb. Then he'll say, hey, listen, he's going to take his saints. How many of you know you're a saint? All right, don't pray to yourself. Don't pray to anybody else. But you're a saint, not a sinner anymore because of the blood of Jesus. How many of you know that I don't know? I get this picture in my mind, Stephanie. I do. I already see myself up there, and I see this big, long table. Mary Supper, like, long table. Whew. I look down. One day we'll get done eating up in there. And he'll say, 
Y'all saddle up. I'll tell y'all to saddle up. They said, what about you? I said, I'm riding behind him. Can I tell you something? All those people today that doubt and all those people today that say it's a fable and it's a fairy tale, I will tell you right now, the next great event to happen is not the next variant. It's not the next collapse of the world markets. It's not this. It's not the dollar going to anything and Bitcoin and every other kind of crypto being established. It's not even one world order. The next thing on the list is Jesus Christ coming back to get his church. You need to be ready. People have said this, and I've said this in time, and I'll tell you, this is, this is the thing, that, that you don't hear me preach a whole lot on eschatology. One reason is that I'm not so well versed in it. I probably know a little bit more than you might think. I, there, there's no room in it for me to, to extend, but I can tell you this. I can tell you your pastor's heart. I do feel like he's coming back when I just said, according to Scripture that I've studied, but can I tell you my job is to get you ready for whenever he comes. That is my job. That is my call. And that's to tell you, don't live like hell and expect heaven. Because if the trumpet blew today, why do you think, why is it that the kids are hearing what parents And they're looking and they're saying, I've got to be saved. It's because they're not listening to all that mess you're listening to. Oh, excuse me, I didn't mean to say you. Because they're not listening to all that mess that so many people are listening to. They're hearing the word. Not just at church. I'm not putting that on me. I'm putting it on you because when you speak about that, and can I tell you, even a simple supper time prayer that does more than bless my beans and my bread but talks about somebody that we can pray for and talk, can I tell you, sometimes that moves the, moves the heart of a youngin. We've got to build faith. So is it once... Is this once upon a time or once and for all? Jesus Christ came once to die. After this, you and I will understand this. That listen, we will die once and after this the judgment. Christians, you will come before the judgment seat of Christ. I'm talking about building your faith. Life is but a vapor. I'm going to live forever. No, you're not. You said, Pastor, can you say that for a revival? I'm hoping you all will carry this with you and tell somebody. When people say, I'll wait. No, today is the day made unto salvation. Listen, we're so, you're so well steeped in this word. Let's believe what we're reading and believe what we can preach and to live out this gospel. It's about building that faith once and for all. Coming to that place in Him, knowing that He paid for everything. If I could just take a moment right here. And to tell you once and for all, he's paid for all of your sins, not just part of them. Would you quit wearing him out and telling him to forgive you again for what you've already been forgiven for? Would you please quit taking up my God's time? You're saying, boy, that, was, that sounded horrible. Please stop. It's not that his ears are not big enough. It's not that he don't want to be attentive to that. But Jesus Christ died once and for all and for every and any sin that you and I have committed. Amen, yes or no? The problem is that you left that part of you out when you came to the cross. Bring all of you to all of him and get everything that he's got for you. Praise be to God. Faith building. You've got to build your salvation. Why? You've got to build your faith. Turn to somebody and say, look what just come into church. By the way, I hope ain't nobody come in. I got, look just what crept into church. Verse 4, for there are certain men that crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness, sexual immorality, perversion, and lewdness, lewdness, and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what is creeping into the church. It didn't bust the doors down and saying, let me in. It's crept in. And how is it crept in? It's crept in because it's hidden like a Jezebel spirit that is a puppet master. Remember this continually. That Jezebel spirit is a foul one. It will operate in and behind. I've told you about this lately. I'm going to tell you again. Remember this. Anything with strings attached. What did you hear this last week? Whenever. Listen, anything with strings attached and you're attached to makes you a puppet. 
And that's a form of control. It's a form of manipulation. It's a form of witchcraft. Husbands and wives, stop. Pastor, we don't even believe in witchcraft. Do not manipulate your husband and or your, your husband or your wife in either thought. Do not cast a spell of manipulation in any way. I'll do this if you do that. You're outside of the will of God when you do that. Submit your body, therefore, to one another, as the Word of God says. You're thinking, wait, wait a minute. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Because you are not your own. Still within the same thought as within the realm of Christ. That how many of you know you're not your own anymore? You are bought. You are paid for. You are now His. Four of you. Why is there such contention in the home and in marriage? Is because we are not given to God first. And we are not given to each other. And that is where witchcraft can be in a marriage. How about we spend more time on that later? I got some of you thinking, thank you, we will. I'll probably preach that at the same time I will my annual Halloween message that makes everybody leave the church. And by the way, I don't like trunk or treat. I don't like anything that has to do with anything about anything evil. For you newbies that are here and maybe your first Halloween, I don't like it. At all. And I got script. Well, I, I will just get to it. <laughs> so here's what happens is that the, the enemy men come in unaware. And, and they're unaware because they're unnoticed. Which that's much of the church today. Well, I come to get my time. And people come in unnoticed. And then we're unaware of what they're packing in. Oh. I want to know what you're packing. It's not the gun you're trying to hide on, on you. I want to know what you're packing in your heart. Because here's what I know. When somebody shoots their mouth off, it can damage a congregation in a heartbeat. Y'all are like, he should have saved this for somebody else. Why is that? We say things like this. Well, at least they're going to church. Wrong. This is going to sound so condemning, and it's even going to sound narcissistic in a way that we think we got it right and nobody else is. That is not at all what I'm saying. What I'm telling you is this, is that if you are listening online, if you're in here and you're visiting tonight, and you say, I don't know if I'm ever coming back. I hope you do. But here's the thing. If you're watching online, can I tell you this? Somebody says, well, at least they're going to church. Don't work. It don't work. Because we say that, and listen, <laughs> it can be one of the most damaging things. Please stay with me. I've got a little outline here now that the Holy Spirit laid on my heart the other morning real early. We preach happiness over holiness. You good? I'm good. Whatever is best for you instead of giving your best for Him. I'm talking about what's creeping into the church. You good? Oh, I'm good. You good? Yeah, I'm good. Well, God wants you to be happy. Show me. God wants you to be holy. How many times y'all heard that in the past year? I know, and I'm sick of it. Whatever is best for you. How many times do we say that? Well, whatever's best for you. When's the last time you had somebody get real with you and they said, What is best for God, the God in your life in this situation? What do you think would not please you, but what do you think would be pleasing unto God? Well, I didn't ask you that. God, what pleases you here? Because I can tell you, so much in my life does not please me. And we have to yield, Chris, and it's a beautiful part, though, of that surrender. And thank God for the grace that he allows me that time to step with him until I get there. Whatever is best for you instead of what is giving your best for him. True, churches build around preachers and not the presence of God. And preachers that build their fame and not your faith. Can I tell you something? I'm challenged as I, as, as I'm challenged as I read this to you. 
I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is active when I say this. You heard me say this Sunday because it, it, it wrecked me because this is what I see. And it should it never be the heart for this church. And if it is, we need to do something about it today. Come as you are. We don't care if you wear jeans. Ain't got to wear this yet. I tell people, what's the dress code? Cover yourself. Real simple. Cover yourself. What if I don't? We'll help you. The thing is this, and here's what's happened. Come as you are, but it's not stay as you are. When I talk about that, David, I'm not talking about the outward. I'm talking about the inward. That you can't come to Christ and your inside not change. You can't come to that place and still you can't, you can't walk closer with God. You can't draw. Scripture tells us, draw nigh to me and I'll draw nigh to you. When he says, cleanse your hands, you sinner, purify your mind, you double-minded. That when he's saying all these things, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he'll lift you up. Pray. Spending that time with God. And he'll show you that you can come as you are, but he doesn't intend for you to stay as you are. Two or three of my brothers right now are talking about the milk and the meat. And when you get to the meat, let me tell you what the difference is between milk and meat. Meat's real simple. It's stuff you chew on when you leave here. Probably half the time you're mad at me. I'm all right with that. If the word comes out and you're like, Keep chewing. Don't take my word for it. Take his word for it. Keep chewing on it. That's the meat. We could go through so many things. We go through Hebrews 6. We could go on. We ought to come past the point, even in our salvation, but we're having to go back according to the Word of God, having to go back and build some of these things again. Make sure, make sure you're calling election. Like I said before, he's sure, steadfast, know you're born again. And then come into that place. Some of this stuff, man, you're going to chew on. I've got to hurry. The goal is attendance and not repentance. How many did y'all have on Sunday? How many? I don't know. You see, here's what we do. And man, I'm, I'm so broken, man, when I say this. Is that what we do is that we consider a good church service is when everybody shows up. And it's completely the opposite. And the thing is, we, we should consider a good service when God shows up. And the way that that happens is when God-fearing, grace-loving, mercy-believing Christians come into the place and say, Oh God, let today be the day that somebody else gets to you like I did. And we build our churches on attendance instead of repentance. We fill the seat and forget the soul. We teach people how to live lost and die saved. It don't work. Worship is more about the light. By the way, when I go off on one of these tangents, y'all pray for me. Please. If anybody wants my notes, I'll send them to you. I don't get asked that a whole lot, by the way. Worship is more about the light show than the light shown to those that are in darkness. Most messages are built. Stay with me. I'm not done. Most messages are circled around and more built about self-confidence, about you having self-confidence than God-consciousness. Can I tell you, when you are God-conscious, you begin to change. When you realize that the guy that you came up here and you said you met in an altar and he met you and he forgive you, listen, he's not the one, Charlie, that we leave here. He's a... What's wrong with the church today? We're unconscious of God. I love it when it's quiet. Mostly puffed up rather than tore down. We're more concerned about you coming back than him coming back. It's full of those that are led by the Spirit. Please stay with me. Write this down. Turn to somebody and say, are you led by the Spirit? Go ahead. It's true. There's a whole message coming out soon on this. Help me, Holy Ghost, to get this out at some point. 
many today. No, I think everybody today in the church is spirit-led. But which spirit? This is the problem in the church. I want you to ponder it. Because the Holy Ghost keeps bringing that back to me. All your churches, and, and, and myself too, listen, I'm telling you, I'll I take this, when I get these words, when I get this word, I'm getting it too. So the church is spirit-led, but by what spirit? It's full of servants, but servants to what? And to what sin, and what slave to what sin? Amen, preacher. what happens is this they've turned the grace of God into lasciviousness because we've let the spirit and let these things come in unaware and unnoticed closing for tonight turn your Bibles please to Luke chapter 17 verse 19 the second thing that Jude said is you're turning there. The second thing that Jude said is that not only would they do that, turn the truth of God. Basically what he's saying is turning the truth of God into a lie. But he's also saying turn it into lasciviousness, the lewdness, all of these things. The second thing that he says there in the previous verse that I read was denying the one and only. This is where you're at. It's where we're at. Luke 17, 19 through 23. Sharon, this is one of the pieces of Scripture that I reference in my mind. I can't tell you how many times throughout a year. I, I don't know, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess it to be, I don't know. I, I couldn't guess it to be how many. Because this is what's got to happen today, Martha, in our life, is that when people come to you and say, is he the one? Okay, stay with me. I'm going somewhere with this. How do I know he's the one? And can I tell you, when, when you are facing death, and, 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 and how many of you know we're all facing death? How many of you know he turned that into life? Ooh, glory to God. Charlie, I should let you hand, I should just hand this off to you right there and let you run laps with it, man. So what happens is that when people come to you, and when you know what, they're going through it, and can I tell you, your faith will be tested. It'll be tried. Luke 17, 19 through 23, And John calling unto him, two of his disciples sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you he that should come, or should we look for another? When the men who were come unto him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us unto you, saying, Are you the one that should come, or do we look for another? This was Jesus' cousin that sent them. I've, I've, I've got two areas of thought here, and, and it'll take more time. Some, just quickly this. Could John have been such a place in his mind? Was it worth it all? Remember, he's getting ready to be beheaded. He's in jail. All right. He's getting ready to do that. One of the Herods is getting ready to cut his head off. So all of these things are coming. He's saying this. And he said, are you the one since two of his disciples? The other thought of that is this. I want them to hear it from his mouth. That if I'm going to leave somebody behind to carry this on, two of John's disciples wants to hear from his mouth. And the word of God says, are you he that should come? They said, or do we look for another? Verse 21, in that same hour he cured many of their infirmities of plagues, evil spirits, and unto many that were blind he gave sight. Then Jesus answering said unto them, go your way and tell John what things you have seen and heard. Seen and heard. How that the blind see, the lame walk. I love this passage. How? Praise be to God. The blind see, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and to the poor the gospel is preached. Wow. All right, I'm sorry. Well, anyway, y'all just, that is the word of God. Just stay with me on that. That's my favorite piece. Forgive me for the wrong address. So the word of God says this, that when he says, you tell John, that the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk. Hallelujah. The dead are raised to life. What a powerful, powerful thought. And so when we look at our own life, that when people say, is he the one, this one that you're following, is he the one or do we look for another? There is no other. He is the one and only. That's where you've got to come to. And that's where, listen, for us that have tasted of the good things of God, you know that he is the only one. He is the only one. 
And we today as a church, as the body of the living God, should be examples that our eyes have been opened, our ears have been opened, and listen, dead, all the dead that we've, we've been brought to life. He's the one and only. And they denied that. Now, how about you? If I were to ask you tonight, I love this, and this runs through my mind so often, simply that he's the one. If I were to ask you to fill in the blank, he's the one that delivered me. He's the one that saved me. He's the one that healed me. He's the one that brought life to my mind. When my mind was dead in sin, my mind was continually on doubt, all of those things. And I don't have time to get to point number four. Turn to somebody and say, are you carrying the gospel? Are you or not? Only you know. But if you are carrying the gospel, you are carrying victory within your soul. You are carrying the transplant of life. Listen, you are that. You are that that brings life to a dark world tonight. Let me tell you what builds your faith. Building your faith is more than coming in on a Sunday morning and say, ah, if you'll go an hour, I've got to leave. If they sing that song one more time, that's 7-Eleven. You remember 7-Eleven, right? They do that. It's more than that. 7-Eleven. It's the same seven words, 11 verses of it. It's that. And if they do that, and can I tell you, we come and we never, or do we? The way you build your faith is to exercise your faith. How about you? I want you to know you didn't come in here unnoticed and unaware. God knows your soul. He knows what you're carrying. It's a real, I'm closing, I promise. It's a real thing to ask the Holy Spirit, say, empty me, Lord. Empty me of me. Empty me, and then fill me back with who you are and what you are. Hey, everybody, just wanted to thank you once again for being with us here in our worship service today and taking the time out, which I know is so valuable to you. God bless you and be encouraged. And remember, Jesus is King.